so wait a minute what what were we talking about huh you were talking to me uh, no wait you were talking to me well what did i say i don't know i wasn't paying attention losing focus in the rural church on this episode of rural pastors talk Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rural Pastors Talk, a podcast highlighting the advancement of Christ's kingdom in rural places just like the town you live in. The rural church is not the baby pool we splash around in before moving on to bigger opportunities. It's not the place we're confined until we can take off those training wheels. And it is not God's penalty box as a punishment for breaking the rules. No, Jesus died for his people. And as long as Christ's people live in rural places, a vibrant, healthy, multiplying presence of his church will be there too. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Rural Pastors Talk. My name is TJ Freeman. I'm the lead pastor of Wellsboro Bible Church in um, the bleak midwinter yep. of fall <laughs> in Wellsboro. And I'm joined by... Hey guys. hey guys, I'm Pastor Joe Wagner from God's My Fellowship, and I am joining you from the comfort of my own couch in my own living room. You look today. comfy. You look like Thanks, you're wearing man. some new duds. I got my new duds on. It's my post sabbatical wardrobe. It's my, and I dressed up for you guys today. I said, thank you. My wife said I look like an adult now. <laughs> well, I can see you in a one inch by two inch thumbnail, and you look great. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um. And did you introduce yourself? I didn't. Okay. Could you do? Hi that? guys, pastoral assistant the man Joshua McLaren with the giant Hello. screen. Yes. Sorry, it's... I walked all over your introduction. It's all good. Well, I wasn't paying attention to it anyway. I lost my focus. (laughs) Oh, no. On this episode of Rural Pastors Talk, kingdom board games that rural pastors like, at least two of us, um, and and a a rural pastoral assistant. Uh, Our five points on self-focused in rural ministry. Josh Alino, the Italian scholar, is going to review great resources for your chillins at any age, right? Indeed. Okay. I, yep. Um. A correction from last week's episode. Yeah, I saw that. Very sad. And a quote from Robert Murray McShane. Now, he knows how to spell Mick last names. What do you mean? My mind's spelled wrong. McLaren. There's a a little bit of a little, what's one of those little squiggly things in McShane, isn't there? There, Actually, there is. Yes, there is. I didn't even spell it right in my notes. (laughs) But um, Josh adds the A. Yes, and a second C. Well, I guess they do, too. Yeah, they time. do two C's. You add the A. The McLaren car only has one C, and it's lowercase, capital L. McLaren. Oh, okay. Well, you are the return of the Mac. Um, return of the Mac. And then uh, that's it. So we're going to begin with this question. What is your favorite kingdom or world-building board game? Are you ready for yours, Joe? Go. Does Axis that, and Allies. Axis and Allies. Do you know this game, Josh? I do. I've heard of it. I've never played it. Tell me about it, Joe. It is like risk on steroids. Okay. I feel like you've it's shown it to really, me before. It, it's like a World War II game where you the Axis powers over here yeah. and the Allied powers are over here and it's you got to take over the world. Is it risk like? It's r- risk in theory, yeah. Okay. Stratego? Yeah. Oh, Stratego's yeah. fun. Yeah. You can't hide out in Australia in that Stratego though. <laughs> no. It's my dad's favorite strategy in risk. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Awesome. Build them up in Australia. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> uh, Josh, what about you? Uh, why don't you go first? Oh, okay. I don't want to steal yours. You were going to? I might. Okay. If it's the one I'm thinking of. Well, you're. It's. I'm sure it's way beneath you. 
Settlers of Catan. No, that's my favorite. It is. Yeah, I love Catan. I thought you were way beyond that. No, I've played a few beyond that, but I they're way too much for me. Why do we? I don't even know what Settlers of Catan is. Give me the ten second version. Well, Josh, take it away. Uh, You are a tradesman trying to build the best trade city. City, yeah. Worst Catan. I thought you'd do better than me, but you didn't. I didn't. No, <laughs> it's hard. Joe, it, you you have to get ten points. Yep. That's the ten objective. Points. And you get points for building the longest road, uh, building settlements, and then cities. Largest army. Largest army. Um, so you're essentially trying to to build your own little kingdom. Yeah, it's like an empire. Yep. Yeah. Now I play- so you get to smash the enemy and. And hear the lamentation the before their women. Worst thing you can do to your enemy is annoy them, which happens frequently. <laughs> yes. So yeah, you can yep. play like special cards that you're allowed to steal their resources and okay. Yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, I definitely thought you'd be beyond that, Josh. So I did play. It's not a world building game, but it's an owl build, a bird building game. So it's like it's a game like Catan, uh, where you're like collecting resources, but you're you're hatching birds. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, wow. awesome. All right. And it was called birds, I think. Okay. Anyway. Nice. They weren't angry. Uh, no. Just normal nope, birds. Just normal birds. Unformed birds. <laughs> uh, yes. Did you knit them together in their mother's womb? <laughs> no. Oh. All right. Well, I did not. Um, games are fun. We games enjoy fun. them. We, yep. You guys played Catan at our house. We did. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Did you win? Uh, I think I might have. I think you won. That's <laughs> why you, you remember it as fun. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ, many churches are dying. Many rural churches are dying. And many more rural churches are flatlined or plateaued. They're stuck in a rut. They're struggling. I just combined struggling and stuck, and I got struck in a rut. Struggling. Um, struggling. They're like a little <laughs> struggling pig. Uh, much of this comes from rural pastors and rural parishioners having a distracted focus. They're not focused on what the scripture would have us be focused on, or to say it more correctly, what our Lord would have us focus on. So we can focus on a lot of good things, really good things, at the deficit of the best things and get kind of caught up in lesser pursuits or just our own focus. And over the next couple of episodes, we're going to talk about a few of those and how we can get our focus back where it truly belongs, which is what we really need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will lead to a fruitful ministry. Uh, and it doesn't mean your ministry is going to get any easier, but we want to have fruitful ministries. And fruit uh, is something that the Lord produces as we seek to serve Him according to His Word. So we have today for you five points on one of those things that can distract you. You know what that thing is that can get your focus in the wrong direction? You mean like number one? Nope, I don't. I mean generally. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, TJ. You you teed one up for me there, and I completely... I know, you pre-segued. <laughs> Josh, what do you think? I think it's self-focus, maybe. Yeah, you. Oh. When we focus on self, that yeah. is one of the problems. That's the topic for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in upcoming episodes, we'll talk about like when your congregation is really inwardly focused or um, when you're focused on something that's really good, but it's not, uh, it, it distracts you from your gospel focus, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that. So, but today, self focus. So, for all of our rural, rural pastors who have struggled with self focus, this episode is for you which includes me. Same. 
Star Wars. Now, Joe. Same. I'm teeing you up, brother. What is number one? Number one, you can become self-focused by having a fear of man. There's this, um, a lot of us, not everybody, but probably most of us, if not 99.9% of us, have this great desire for people to like us. Um, And if we let that self-focus reign uncontrolled, unrealized in our lives, uh, it really makes for some weak sermons, Mm. um, poor counsel. Um, You're continually calculating. Now, I am guilty of this, too. How am I going to be able to say this in a way that is more palatable, that it won't offend somebody? I still want to be able Mm. to arrive and get to the truth, but what is the most painless way that I can say this so nobody's feathers are ruffled and they won't be mad at me? I, I am notorious uh, for this particular one. Uh, uh, this, this, this fear of man and um, not wanting to offend somebody uh, is one of the ways that I can really kind of get self-focused. And that's not, not good at all. And I think probably one of the first keys for me, and I think a lot of you out there, is probably to realize that we are inherently geared this way because of our sinful nature and our love for ourselves. So yeah, to dive into some scripture. Wait, before uh, you get there, TJ. I want to help. Um, help, brother. Broaden this a little bit because I was thinking about this. And, you know, usually when I preach, I'm really convinced that whatever the word of God says is what I need to say to the oh, fullest, yeah. not add from it, not take it away. I, that is my yep. genuine heart's desire. And mm-hmm. I have by God's grace, not by my own wisdom or conviction, but just simply by God's grace, I've been really happy to preach whatever the text is, even though sometimes the text is a really, really difficult thing to receive. Um, but then I started thinking about other scenarios like um, like an elders meeting. Sometimes uh-huh. when I leave an elders meeting, I have a general sort of like heavy feeling, um, which is it's not often because I really love our elders meetings and get along great with all the elders. And those brothers are a distinct blessing in my life. But if I have that heavy feeling, I can almost always trace it back to something I said in the meeting that I wish I hadn't said. And it's usually, I wish I hadn't said it because I'm afraid of what they thought of what I said. So, Mm. you know, why did I say that? I hope, was I too strong? And and a little self-reflection is good. But if you have this sort of internal angst over, you know, I hope I didn't upset someone, or I hope I didn't frustrate right. someone, or I hope they don't think I'm, a, I'm an idiot for what I came up with, or these yeah. kinds of things. Same sort of thing I've preached, like you had said, I, boy, I'm really bold in the pulpit. I, you're, you're up there, you're hiding behind Scripture, your Scripture's out in front, you're hiding behind the pulpit. I think the Lord's geared some of us some ways that we can be really, really bold up in front of folks. But then I have caught myself not running to somebody who I thought that this sermon was going to hit really hard, but like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And like softening the word of God mm-hmm. in that sort of way. I've caught myself doing that a couple of different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Now, how about some scriptures? Ah, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. This is pretty pithy right to the point. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. It does get right we don't want to get caught in that snare. No, because um, things that get snared are in trouble. Mm. Galatians 1, 10. For am I, oh, this is Paul sort of asking a rhetorical question. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? 
If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That hurts. Yeah, Hmm. that hurts. We do not want to live in fear of man. So, dear rural pastor, brother, I know that there are are people in your congregation who are not liking some things that you're doing, like your decisions uh, and you with your leadership team, your decisions on COVID. There are certainly people in the congregation who disagree with that. And just speaking for all of us, none of us pastors know how to lead through this because there's no example. Um, there's no chapter and verse. It's And there are really convincing biblical sounding arguments on both sides of almost every issue from masks to meetings. And it's, it's a hard thing to work through. So it can really hurt when, as a pastor, you're trying to do the best to lead the congregation, but somebody lands in a different position and then makes makes things hard on you as a result of that through complaints, p- protests like, well, I'm not, I'm not doing what you're asking. Um, yep. or I am going to give you a piece of my mind about just all of these different things that can happen. So if you're somebody who's prone to fear of man, you're now ensnared because your decision-making process is confounded by your own desire for the, the whole church to 100% like your decision, which is really un- I th- unrealistic anyway. I think, too, for rural pastors with churches of 30 or 40 or 50 or even 100 or 200, every single one of our interactions seems to carry more weight because, hey, if one family gets mad and leaves, then, mm. oh, my goodness, there goes a great big chunk of the body of Christ. And there's, you know, a, so there's a big difference it, between faces that are looking at you and this faceless crowd you know yeah so if yeah yeah if, if somebody were in a, a mega church they don't know half the people in the room anyway but in a rural context there's a real distinct connection to every person there and every person really um is significant amen to that brother that's the first way that we can get too self-focused number two Anybody? platforming what is platforming Platforming is when you do things to try to get accepted um, and have people listen to you. So you're you're guilty of trying to have a voice that you want people to listen to instead of a message that you want people to hear. So platforming happens when you're trying to, to, to get your acceptance or your importance based on things like, well, how many people liked my videos? Did I get any comments on what I said? Um, how many people were there on Sunday? So we've talked about this before, where if you go into a meeting with other pastors and you're ashamed to say how many people attend your church, there's a little bit of a platforming issue in there where you feel like I am less important because I speak to fewer people. Um, how many people viewed online? Uh, how many people you know, you know, name dropping, these kinds of things are all examples of platforming. By the way, Joe. Yep. Um, you remember the movie Independence Day? I do. What is distinct about the alien's eyes? Do you remember? Uh, Will Smith punches one in the eye. Oh, I can't. Do, I can't remember. Were they like multifaceted or something? No, that first guy that's running around, he's really fast and he like runs up the walls and things. Okay. Will Smith gets up to him and the guy blinks. You're talking about Men in Black. Yep. I don't like movies. <laughs> I was like, right when I heard running on the wall, and I'm like, that's not an independence. I saw you looking at me weird, and I thought maybe he's too young to know what this movie is. Nope. I, I, yep. Yeah, he has gills. Gills. That's how he breathes. 
Oh, through his eyes. I, mm-hmm. hmm. Didn't realize that's what I it was. I thought that I would pop that movie in for the family a little while ago. Men in Black? Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I have. My seen kids it looked at me and they're like, "Dad." <laughs> I was like, "I'm so sorry. Oh, We're not going to watch this anymore." Hmm. What's the difference between Independence Day and Men in Black? Uh, many. Will Smith okay. is in both of them. He All is right. in both. Yes, to your credit. Very good. And that is the extents. Uh, that is the full extent of me talking about movies for the day. <laughs> platforming back to platforming. Platforming, which uh, <laughs> I'm not doing very well. I wondered, were you going somewhere with that? Oh, yes, I was. Thank you for bringing me back to you're that. You're welcome. Yep. Joe, your image on the screen occasionally like blinks or something. Right there. Just did it. Did you do that? No. Just did it when I was talking about it. Is it, it my glasses, the reflection? No, it's no, a glitch. It's, yeah, it's the program. It's a glitch in our thing. But yeah. It, you know that I only ever talk with my eyes closed. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. That. But whenever it does that, it reminds me of what I now know are gills in the eyes. I thought it was just that they blink sideways, but... Huh. Anyway, I'm sorry for that terrible distraction. <laughs> Let's get focused. Let's get focused. So platforming is one of those subtle things that uh, nobody wants to do. Actually, that's not true. I have actually heard some guys say, I'm really trying to build a platform because I want a lot of people to hear me because I think what I'm saying is really important. The only part that's right about that is that what they're saying is really important if they're speaking the scriptures and yeah. carrying forth the message of the gospel. But we don't need a platform at all. And it, our, our effectiveness and our acceptance should not be based on how many people are listening to what we're saying. It's just based on the fact that Christ saved our souls and he called us into his service. We have some scriptures on this one, too. Do you know any? First John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Hmm. Yes, I I can remember a time, and I've done this once. I don't maybe twice early on in my ministry. It would be like a snowy day, or maybe it'd be like a a uh, a Sunday, like a holiday weekend Sunday, where there'd be half the people who were there, and I would get up and I'd be so frustrated. And and in my brain, I was just thinking, well, for those of you who are here, mm-hmm. you know, I would say something to that effect, and that's just not good because that's that pride coming out. You, you said something very, very profound, and I don't think that I can get it quite right. Um, you want people to hear you. That was me wanting people wanted to hear me rather than to hear the importance of the message that was going to be expounded mm-hmm. through me. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of pride of my own life coming out in a statement like that. So we really have to watch our hearts there. And the reason this is so important for rural pastors to think about is we're not in places that are real appealing to be a lot of the times. And rural can sometimes feel like less. And that's if if you have in your heart the tempt- temptation to platform to say, I want people to listen to me, I want to be known or I want to be recognized, then you're not going to like ministering in a rural place. You're going to have a constant desire to be somewhere bigger because you feel like you'll be more effective there, uh, which probably is not true anyway. But um, yeah, another scripture that would speak to this, Galatians 6.3 if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's the truth. We're nothing. Like you actually have to know and believe that in order to do the work that God has called you to do with a right focus. But isn't that just hurting my self-esteem? Um, what did you say? Pasha, get rid of that self-esteem. <laughs> did you say Pasha? Pasha. I did say Pasha. Well done. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. 
what did you say earlier about my theology doesn't care about your feelings? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I made a go. joke. Yes. yes. Um, when that needs to be our first real pastors t-shirt. No. Pastors talk t-shirt. <laughs> I told Josh 10 years from now he won't want yeah. that shirt anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the reality is we are we are worthless. Paul, if Paul can call himself that sludge at the bottom of the sewer, yeah. then we should, we're whatever is below that. We're the sludge that that sludge sits on. So you know, we need to really remember that. And then we'll be free to do the kind of work that ca- mm-hmm. Christ calls us to. And it won't matter to you, are there five people here this Sunday? Are there 50 people here this Sunday? Are there 5,000 people here this Sunday? That's not your focus. Your focus is, I just want to proclaim Christ and Him crucified. And that needs to happen to the ends of the earth, including rural towns. That's why we say um, that Christ wants to have a vibrant, healthy, multiplying presence of his church everywhere. And and that includes rural places just like the town you live in. Mm-hmm. So we need to be satisfied with that. Platforming would be a, a detriment to that. Another scripture, Sir Joshalino. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise men man boast in his wisdom let not the mighty man boast in his might let not the rich man boast in his riches but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me that i am the lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight declares the lord Mm. it reminds me of christ when the disciples come after he sends out the 77 and they're like lord like look what we did and he's like Better is it that your name is written in the book of life That's than right. it is you casting out demons. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're just not to boast in anything except Christ and the, who he is and what he's done. And delight in that. Yeah, right. That's, that's what this Jeremiah passage is getting at, is where is your delight? Yeah. Is it in the people's response to what you're doing, or is it in the fact that Christ has called you into his service and you right. love him and want to just know him more and be pleasing to him? Yep. How many of us pray to be a Jeremiah prophet? Oof, no right. thanks. <laughs> yeah. But Jeremiah was called to do that. That's and right. how great of an impact did he have in being a, that Jeremiah prophet? Amen. Yep. Number three. Woe is me. I agree. You can really get self-focused and self-absorbed in this particular one. You can think your ministry is too hard. You can think that the situations you are facing are too hard. Uh, you can long for something else that's not so hard. You can wish that the Lord didn't send you Aunt Nettie, Clara, and uh, Aunt Bev to make life so difficult on you. And Along with a dose of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are all sorts of things that we can look at the situation that the Lord has called us to. The people that the Lord has called us to minister to and say, oh, I wish that you would have sent me to people other than this. Mm-hmm. And we can just get so wrapped up. We can just become very Jonah-like in that sort of a a mindset when we think woe is me and get self-absorbed and self-focused and, and really lose the sight of what the Lord has called us to do. Now think about like we have, there's a little community called Westfield. Um, what direction from that is, uh, is that from us? North- 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 yeah, Northwest, I think. So that little community is, is a struggling community, a lot of addiction issues, um, not a lot of things to do in that community. It's kind of one of those smaller towns where the main street has been shrinking over time. And um, it's, a, it's a beautiful little town. There are a lot mm-hmm. of wonderful people there. But in that community, there are a couple churches, and I've heard things, in, in not from these brothers, but in situations like this where guys would say, well, if our town were a little bit bigger like Wellsboro... Than you know X Y Z, or if we only had a uh, this, or you know 
in Elkland, which is not too far down. Well, we don't have a school anymore, so there's no concentration of students to focus on, and that makes it harder to do student ministry or, you know, you name it. But then you back up further, and you get to Sabinsville, where our dear brother Kyle Horton is. There's just a couple people in, a couple hundred people in that town. He said he doesn't know of any young family in that town other than his family, um, mm-hmm. and not because he's not looking. So, no matter what your ministry context is, there's somebody who has it harder, uh, which is a bit of a comfort. Like from First Corinthians ten thirteen, you know, there's no temptation that's overtaking you except what's common to man. So, just understanding that your plight is the plight of all men. There are things that you're going to be dissatisfied with wherever you live and whatever congregation you're ministering to. Um, And knowing that you're not alone is helpful in that. But more than that, it's just recognizing that uh, there is no perfect place from which to minister. That's the reality. So we can't be thinking of ourselves or our contexts or our churches or anything like that as, you know, if I only had this, if I only had that, uh, or if I only didn't have to deal with this or that. COVID is a... It's is, al- go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, it's almost like we're trying to make our own little heaven on earth. Mm. You know? And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.10, he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The Lord is the one that's going to give us the heaven that uh, the only, we only deserve because of him. So there's no sense in trying to make something perfect down here. That's right. Um, you, you strive, you work, you, you, you minister where the Lord has placed you and you see the opportunity in the people that the Lord has given to you, even the difficult and the tough cases. When you look at those difficult and those tough cases and those hard bitten, some of them, some of them are hard bitten and stubborn. What a great opportunity for the Lord's glory to shine through there a great opportunity for a victory for the Holy Spirit. And he has called you to be part of that victory, to communicate the gospel to them, to communicate the truth to them. So stay at it. Nobody, nobody is, is a lost cause when it comes to that. All things are possible with God and continue to work and continue to pray. Now, at the same time, you know, we're not casting our pearls before swine and there are wolves in amongst the sheep as well. But this is the work that he's called you to do. And Peter himself says it's going to be a struggle. That's right. And really what we're trying to say is not to ignore problems or issues, but to deal with them in a God-honoring way. Because if you start thinking about them unbiblically, like with the woe is me, instead of, you know, this is the lot that's been entrusted to me, you're going to struggle to do what God's called you to do, and you're just going to want out. Um, you're going to feel like you're too tired. You're going to feel like you can't. You're going to feel like the situation's impossible. And you can use the classic line that I'm probably going to step on somebody's toes with here. I, I just led that congregation as far as I could, and then they couldn't accept my leadership anymore, so we had to find another leader. Yeah. You know, that's a common thing that that is said. Well, They're holding you back. Yeah. Ultimately, that is kind of what you're, what you're saying is, I've done my best, right. they'll take no more. And then you kind of use the excuse of, they would do much better with somebody else. Um, yep. And, you know, the, the reality is, God has called us to do a, a labor that only He enables us to do, and we're a conduit through which He will work. So, yes, there are times that you need to move on. There are times where you and your congregation are maybe not the best match, but generally, it's more like a marriage. We should think of it that way, where there are going to be really hard times, but 
the more we work through them, the stronger we are. So the, the great thing that unites us is the blood of Christ. Yes. Don't forget that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know you were going there, but I just had to say it. You got it. And then if you think about it, you know, like, like uh, tiredness, I have caught myself saying I am more tired this year than I've ever been. It's just, you know, normally our in ministry things ebb and flow, and there are seasons where you can kind of catch your breath, and there are seasons where you go at a pace that requires you to need a season that will enable you to catch your breath. Um, since COVID, the there's been no breath catching. It's just been this weird uphill march, mm-hmm. and it's it's challenged. So I catch myself saying I'm more tired than normal, and I don't want to think that way because that gets to the woe is me instead of realizing the Lord called me to this service for such a time as this. He yes. he put me in my mother's womb at just the right time. He called me into ministry. It's not because he needs me at all. I have no special gift to give him. In fact, I have nothing to give him except that which he has given to me. But I can't look at my situation and think, well, coronavirus has made it harder or you know, I'm I'm more tired or these kinds of things. I said just need to think God has called me. He who called me is faithful. He's way more faithful than me. He's gonna hold me fast. And it's just the woe is me language only compounds my trouble. And if I don't shut that up in my head, it will be actually ex- exacerbating the issue instead of getting through it. It's almost like you're thinking some of the same thoughts that Paul might have been sharing in Romans 8.18 when he said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Mm. Yes, and an excellent segue as always. First mm-hmm. <laughs> Peter 5.10 is similar, only it, it points us to the end. It says, well, in, the, in a similar way, but it, it points us to the end with giving the strength for today. So it says, After you've suffered for a little while... The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Man, that is going to be so sweet. Imagine Jesus himself coming to you and restoring you, confirming confirming you, strengthening you, and establishing you. He did that with Peter, and it took a man who had just denied Christ three times and turned him into a martyr. You know, just this is what the confirmation and strengthening and establishment of Christ does. It, it changes everything. And after we've suffered and struggled in this life for a season, Christ is going to make it all worth it, exponentially so. Number four, point number four, one of the ways that you can become too self-focused. Personal idols, your own personal idols want to be worshipped. I guess I'll share with with everybody out there on this one. Um, I... My wife says I have a very addictive personality. Mm. The Lord has spared me and saved me throughout my life because of that. I'm ve- I can become very, very singular focused. Once I get laser focused on something, that's where I apply a lot of energy to. Um, through this time, the stressful time, when uh, many of the times in ministry, in uh, pastoring, counseling, evangelism, whatever it is, where like you had described, it's difficult, it's hard, it's this upward slog. I found myself finding uh, places and things where I did not have to fight that battle. So I was running away, and I was running away to some personal idols. Um, Throughout these last two or three months, 
uh, election coverage and what's going to happen has become a personal idol of mine in one way, shape, form, or another, where rather than spending time in devotion or in prayer or any of the great and godly things that I could have done that, I would bounce into Twitter and see what whoever said, just looking for that next little dopamine hit. And like election coverage has become a personal idol of mine. Another one, just to share, um, in, it's kind of related to that. Uh, we have mentioned a couple of different times that we all like to shoot and we like guns, but obviously we're very, very safe with those who like to hunt. But um, this next president who's coming in, we're living in the rural area, right? Everybody says, oh, he's going to outlaw this or he's going to outlaw that. Ammunition's going to be hard to come by and find. So I would find myself on this hunt for more ammunition online that I could go and buy to the point where that would kind of become a safe spot for me. That would become an idol for me. I'm just bearing my heart. Those were a couple of things in my own life that I've been able to, uh, I'm working on overcoming, have overcome, that have become places of idols. And they're kind of odd, but I think that there are many, many different sundry areas where we can all find little idols that we run to that take our focus off the greater and most important thing. And we lose our focus that way. Including idols like our comfort, like uh, some of the things that we've mentioned, the approval of man and those kind of things, they're totally in there as well. So yeah, if, if we're giving into these idols all the time, we are not going to be effective ministers of the gospel and our focus is on us and the things of this world instead of the Lord, which is not good according to the Ten Commandments, eh? No, absolutely not. The Lord tells us, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. I mean, he's covering everything here. Mm -hmm. When we use... When scripture, when the Lord uses language like that, this is uh, his device of saying whatever it is, right? Whatever time that you're living in, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. Uh, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. There's a promise that comes along with that. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God. Who was it that had said, we're all worshiping something? We got to find out what it is that we're worshiping. Are we worshiping the Lord or are we worshiping our comfort? Are we worshiping our personal idols? Are we worshiping our wealth or our hobbies or our jobs or our wives or our kids? All of these things we can come in our lives before the Lord, our God. And, and he tells us very first thing in his uh, list of 10 commandments not to do that. Absolutely. And I, uh, this isn't the exact quote you're going for, but Martin Luther did say, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God and your functional Savior. And you talked about that. I turn to this space when I get stressed or when I'm struggling or whatever. I try to distract myself or I focus on something else. Those things can quickly become our gods, whatever we're bowing down to. Um, there are a couple other quotes we have here. One is from the Spurge. Um he would be very disappointed in both of your chins, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah. are you just saying my multiple chins? No, your chin together? and Josh's chin. Those the okay. bear, the bear, naked, chins. naked little chin and cheeks. Yep. Um, I've not shaved a, since the 
Spurgeon episode. You actually haven't? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I felt so convicted. <laughs> you got to look like Scott sooner or later. Yeah. Scott's got a good beard. He does. So um, Spurge said, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of our creator as much as we when we learn the emptiness of everything else. And this is what happens when we give into these idols. If you want fear of, if you want the approval of man, if you want your comfort, if you want, you know, this, uh, you have this vision, vision in your mind of you know the perfect family or the perfect house or whatever, yeah. all of these different things, they will leave you empty. In fact, there is nothing in your life right now that you can be sure will be there when you get home, except for Christ. That's it. Talk to Job about it. You know, everything can be gone that you love and treasure in a moment. And we put so much confidence in these things. I love my family dearly, and I can't imagine life without them, but I can't idolize them because if I put my comfort and my hope there and the Lord does choose to take them, I won't know what to do. I'll be lost. And that is not true of a Christian because we are those who have been found. We are those who are finding our full satisfaction in Christ alone, able to say like Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, I, We need to have our full satisfaction and confidence and comfort in him alone. Otherwise, we do have idols. Hmm. I, I think that that leads us actually to point number five. Self-focus is exhausting because sooner or later you're going to run out of self. Um, there's just... And I can just, I'll share this again with you. You had mentioned how difficult COVID has been piled on top of the difficulties of ministry. And I think one of the things that led me to exhaustion was was probably me running to those other things, me running to mm-hmm. myself rather than running to the Lord my God to find joy in Him. And it burns you out, leaves you an empty, fruitless uh, shell of who the Lord has called you to be. You're just not walking in power whatsoever, in his power, obviously, Hmm. whatsoever to be able to accomplish that and do that. So uh, point number five, if you're losing focus and your focus is lost, pointing inward at yourself, you are going to become exhausted uh, in that way. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that all exhaustion is connected to that. Because I think of like George Whitfield. You know, there were times where he had to be hoisted onto his horse and then he would go and preach and he would get done and just collapse. He was truly exhausted and he was being used up in ministry. Uh, and there are others who are in that, that case as well. And exhaustion can come from another, a, a number of things ranging from just physical issues that you're having, like real health things or physical things, all the way to true, genuine, being poured out like a drink offering for Christ. But an unfortunate and uh, real damaging kind of exhaustion comes and an unnecessary kind of exhaustion comes when we do what you just said, when we focus on ourselves. Um, The Apostle Paul talked about this in Philippians 2. He told us to do nothing for ourselves, essentially. He said, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look Look each of you not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So that's the that's the target. We know we're to be poured out as Christ was poured out for us. And then let me just walk you through this little pattern. And Joe, I know you need to leave soon. If you need to get up and go, um, do your thing, and we will okay, give a moment of silence hey, for your statement. Uh, let me let me share this with you before I go. Do it. Raise your Ebenezer, Ooh, there but it don't is. do it yet till the end. Okay, very good. <laughs> 
Thank you, brother. Thanks, Thanks guys. Love you guys. Love See you. ya. Bye. So here's the the pattern we'll walk through is um, in Proverbs thirteen fifteen we learn about wow we're sideways aren't I know. we? I know I've switched into a different uh, camera. <laughs> wait, how do I fall that way? <laughs> no, that way. There you oh. go. <laughs> now I just look silly. All right. Um, we learn in Proverbs thirteen fifteen that good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Um, if you look in the King James Version, it says uh, the way... Oh, I just lost it. The way of the transgressor is hard, is what it says. So sin leads to ruin. It's it's the hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because we know that we're supposed to be others-focused and not self-focused, it is clearly sinful to be self-focused. We have yeah. to stop and just recognize that that's the reality. And if we pursue that subtle, often undetected sin... It will lead to our ruin. It will make life harder. Conversely, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers, Christ is not giving us this labor that is crushing. He's mm-hmm. given us hard labor to do, but he is the one who enables us to do it. It is in his strength that it happens. Yeah. So when we do what Joe said and pursue Christ, come to him, focus on him instead of ourselves, we'll find that actually I can stand up under this. I can go forward. This yoke is easy yeah. and the burden is light as opposed to the hard way, which is the way of a sinner, which would be focused inwardly. Yep. Anything else you want to say about that, Josh? Uh, Galatians 2.20. Um, Paul just, this cry, he's been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Mm. It's kind of like that thought of, you know, there's no pride. There's no ability to be self-reliant when you're at the foot of the cross. Um, And Christ dwells in us. He's working in us and through us. Um, All glory is to him. So we can find rest for our souls and comfort in that we don't have to be exhausted because of focusing on wrong things. Um, If we're focused on Christ, like you said, we'll be able to stand up under things. It's Christ who's going to live in us and work through us. And it's true. It's a blessing. Yeah. So our five points then in review. One, if you're struggling with fear of man, hoping that people like you, like your posts, like the things you have to say, you don't want to upset people, you're inwardly calculating, your focus is in the wrong place. It's on you. Secondly, if you're trying to platform it all, your acceptance is based on the number of people that show up or some kind of outward response from what you're saying. Um, you really, you're thinking about what people, you know, how many people are associated with your ministry or how far your message is going. Um, That's platforming and that is a self-focus as well. Number three, if you are thinking, woe is me, if only I had this or if I didn't have to deal with that or I'm so tired, you need to stop thinking that way because that is an inward focus that really relies on your own strength and uh, your own values. Fourth, personal idols want to be worshiped. Um, our hearts are idol factories. They are producing a number of things that demand our worship, but they will not stand up under the weight we put on them. So do not focus on those idols. Focus away from them. And lastly, self-focus is exhausting. It's already tiring to do what we're called to do. Christ will strengthen us, but when sin is included, 
um, we're in we're in deep trouble. That kind of thing just needs to be repented of. Uh, I have often talked with brothers who have listened into the podcast, and they've mm-hmm. said to me before. Well, now I just feel worse because it's like there's more things I need to do. I realized I wasn't paying attention to this, and it's just compounding. But, guys, Lamentations 3, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Yep. So you don't need to feel like there's a weight on your shoulders now. You need to get that weight off your shoulders by doing Matthew 11. Go to Christ. Um, cast your cares on him. His yeah. yoke truly is easy, and his burden is light. You made a joke earlier. Uh, about how we think, you know, our faith should be driven by guilt and fear. Uh, <laughs> that he was joking. The reality is, our obedience should be driven by a love for Christ and His love for us. Yep, absolutely true. Yep. All right. Oh, crikey! Oh no! Looks like we've got a croc. We're gonna need some help in here. A croc. A croc. What's that croc, TJ? That croc is. There's a lot of people who don't know that there's other rural pastors around them. Okay. And some of them even said that. What should they do? Our, well, I'll get there. Oh, sorry. Some have reported to our online account. Yes. Email. Page. Thing. <laughs> that they did feel like they were alone. Yes. And then they're hearing things like this and they realize they're not. Um, rural pastors need to work together. Otherwise, we are not able to accomplish the things that God calls us to do in the, in, in the same way. We were talking today earlier with a group of pastors how there are things we will be able to do together that we could not do individually. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not meant to be isolated little churches. Just as our, our little churches are little bodies of Christ, there's a greater body of Christ that our little church is a part of. Yep. And so we do need to work together with other churches but a lot of times people don't know each other. They don't know where to go. The rural church is forgotten and all the things that we talk about. Yep. So to so, rectify that, yes, I have sent out an SOS okay. to kill that croc. Way to go. And that SOS is subscribe. Okay. Subscribe to the podcast. That way you get the content fresh every day. But also Al Gorhythm, our mm-hmm. friend, mm-hmm. he goes out into the world and identifies us to other people. Yes. Um, then... Yep. In the middle, you can get that one. Offer a review? Yes. Uh, yeah, we would just be encouraged if you offered a review. Tell us if something was helpful. Tell us if something wasn't helpful. Um, that way, we are able to switch things up where we need to. Um, it's a huge blessing. I actually have a review prepped and ready to go. Uh, so this is from Robert McClure. Um, How does he spell McClure? Um, he, M-C-C. Ah, see? L-U-R-E. Something's no wrong a. with you. Yeah. Notice the difference, though. McClure, McLaren. There's a uh that's naturally missing. So uh, <laughs> that makes sense. That, uh, fit, that fits you. This is <laughs> this was on iTunes. He said, "This has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. These guys are normal rural pastors talking about issues normal rural pastors face in a lighthearted, sincere way. Thank you guys for encouraging and challenging." Oh, that's a blessing. Thanks, brother Robert. Appreciate it very much. Yep. And uh, good job on spelling your name in a <laughs> an appropriate way. Yes. Finally, TJ. The of our SOS. Okay. The share. If you would share this with others, the best way to do that is just to go to another rural pastor and say, hey, check this out. Maybe you would appreciate it. Um, And then share with us. Ooh, this is new. Share with us that you're listening or that you've connected, something like this, because we do want to see a community developed here because it is true that rural pastors are kind of disconnected and isolated and sometimes for really bad reasons, other times just because 
you feel like you're alone and you're far from others mileage wise. Mm -hmm. But if we can connect here digitally and talk about what rural pastors can do by working together, I think we can see Christ's kingdom truly advance in rural places. It's not our work. The Lord is the one who does it, but we do need to be faithful to what he's called us to do. And that does mean working with each other, which means we need to know each other. So identifying yourself will be really, really useful. Um, but share with us that you're listening. Share this podcast with others. Um, you can even share it right now. Indeed. Josh likes it when you smash buttons. Smash that like button. There you go. And Josh is going to continue. I am. With stuff. Rural. Pastor. Can you. Reviews. Josh is going to review two books. Two books. For his child. My child. That I think you as rural pastors can use for your children. Um, or... There what, might be an opportunity in like a Sunday school or something. Well, yeah, I was going to say, what about the children in your church? Yep, children in your church. I think it'll be really helpful. So my experience, I did not grow up knowing anything about church history. Um, I didn't grow up knowing a whole lot about how the Bible really connected. Um, and I don't know, I'm not blaming anyone. I don't know why. Um, I mean, my sinful heart obviously is one of them. You say your parents didn't teach you right? No, that's not what I'm saying. Your mother is going to just... <laughs> That's her not what I'm saying. Hurt. I'm sorry. That's not Dad. what I'm saying. Look at how red my. I think face you did a great getting. job. This is your fault. <laughs> um, so I and your to pastor. Why oh you got to throw him under the I'm bus not, like that? Stop it. Uh, so I wanted to share with you guys these two books. Um, so this is God's Bible timeline, the big book of biblical history, and then this one is God's timeline, the big book of church history. Um, they're both, I think, only fifty-six pages. They're currently thirty-five percent off at the Westminster Bookstore, so wtsbooks.com. Uh, if, if I buy the book there, does any of my money go to baptizing babies? Uh, no, I think it just goes... Well, I mean, it goes to the <laughs> seminary. So Can't do it then. So this is 96 pages, and then this book is, I think, about the same. Probably 96. Um, but I'm really excited. We got these for my daughter for, her, uh, for Christmas. I, obviously, she's not going to be able to understand them right away. Um, but I think they're going to be a really helpful resource in sharing with her that God is crafting a story, not just in scripture, but over time. And, you know, there are 2000 history, 2000 years of church history specifically that I was just I, clueless to, um, apart from something about a reformation and something to do with tulip. Like that's all I knew, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I think these are a great resource to help kids, um, understand, God's bigger picture and story, not only in scripture, um, but also just in history. So uh, I can show you guys some of these photos. Like there's there's a timeline, there's small little details concerning the timeline. Um, and then there's photos to keep your kids engaged. There's something like what's with those long lists of names. So it's even teaching them why things like genealogies are important. Um, just really, really helpful and useful tools to help kids learn. So Quick review. That's my review. God's Bible timeline and then God's timeline. Uh, I think they're going to be. I'm really excited to get them. One's backordered right now just because they had this sale going on. It was only supposed to go until November 17th, but they've extended it. Ooh, so how kind. Yeah. So you're getting. I mean, you're getting saving seven bucks on a twenty dollar book. That's pretty good. Benevolent Presbyterians they are. <laughs> <laughs> There's Reformed Baptists too. Yes, that's true. I'm teasing. I really like them. Yes. And I order a lot of books from there. Yep. Um, that's all I got. All right. And then that, thank you for that. That was really excellent. I actually would like to pick up both of those because of your wonderful review. Oh, thanks. Um, we have a new segment. Okay. It's called. We need a correction, don't we? Yes. What happened, TJ? Well, listen to this clip first. 
Uh-oh, my audio. Wait, it's just still thinking. If you ask me why I went to Africa, I'll tell you I went primarily to improve on the justice of God. I didn't think it was right for anybody to go to hell without a chance to be saved. And so I went to give poor sinners a chance to go to heaven. Now, I hadn't put it in so many words, but if you'll analyze what I've just told you, do you know what it is? It's humanism. That I was simply using the provisions of Jesus Christ as a means to improve upon human conditions of suffering and misery. And when I got to Africa, I discovered that they weren't poor, ignorant little heathen running around in the woods waiting for, looking for someone to tell them how to go to heaven. That they were monsters of iniquity. They were living in utter and total defiance of far more knowledge of God than I ever dreamed they had. They deserve hell because they utterly refuse to walk in the light of their conscience and the light of the law written upon their heart and the testimony of nature and the truth they knew. And when I found that out, I assure you, I was so angry with God that one occasion in prayer I told him that it was a, a mighty little thing he'd done sending me out there to reach these people that were waiting to be told how to go to heaven. When I got there, I found out they knew about heaven didn't want to go there. And they were loved their sin and wanted to stay in it. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Wow. You can listen to the rest of that. So who's that? Well, last week, I told you that that was Leonard Ravenhill. Yes, that didn't sound like Leonard Ravenhill. No. Close. Similar. They remind me of each other a lot, so I mixed them up. That is Paris Reedhead in his famous sermon, Ten Shekels in a Shirt, Okay, that I mistakenly attributed to Leonard Ravenhill, and I repent in dust and ashes. And if you're wondering, is that sound doctrine I'm hearing? You should go listen to the rest of the sermon. And then you can answer that question for yourself. And wait until you hear him say, For ten sec Oh, wait, I gotta say it again. I said seckles. For ten shekels in a shirt! Once he says that. Cool. Yes. It'll go right down your spine. Thanks for that. And then you'll go share the gospel with somebody. Uh, like so that's the correction. That's the new segment. I hope we don't have to play that song. No, that's... Now. Nope. That Throw that one away. Yes. Well, no. We'll definitely have to do it again. I no, think I make mistakes sure. every time. Yes. Um, you want to close us out with a quote? Yes, this is from a brother named Robert Murray McShane. 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 Yes. Okay. Without an A. <laughs> Live near to God and all things will appear little to you in comparison with eternal realities. Mm. Very true. So dear rural pastor brother or uh, rural ministry role sister, whoever's listening to this, uh, find your strength in the Lord. Live close to him and the Lord will strengthen you. And you will absolutely see things as they are and be able to do what he's called you to do. Amen. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Well, I guess we're out of here. Yeah, our episodes are getting longer again. I know. Sorry, Corey. Well, goodbye. Bye, guys. Do what Joe said earlier and raise your... I can't even say it. (laughs) The pen is... You know what that is? Uh, no. Okay. Um, well, we would love to hear from you. Yes. If you would, please email us at... RealPastorsTalk at gmail.com. It's RealPastorsTalk at gmail.com. And don't forget, the P is silent. Indeed. <laughs>